That's the world we live in. Kind of interesting. But what is absolute truth and what does it mean to live in a culture that embraces relativism? How do we, how do we adjust to the ever-changing culture shifts that come our way, even though there is overwhelming evidence on the evidence of God, Jesus, and the truths of the Bible? So what we're going to do is this morning we're going to learn and explore three possible answers to the question, what do I do with truth? What do I do with it? See, everything has become so complicated. It used to be simple. Truth used to be simple. But we've overcomplicated even truth. Have you ever gone shopping lately? It's not that simple. Before, you go to the store, you give them cash, they give you change. Now you go to the store, you have to open up an app so you can get some shop kicks, and then, or shop kicks, and then you cut out coupons so that you can get a discount. And then when you go to the register, if you have a plastic bag, you, you get charged for it, but now you can't have plastic bag because it's against the law. But if you bring your own bag, then you get a discount for it. But if you don't bring your own bag, you've got to carry out your own items. And then if you're in line and you have, you have coupons, shop kick, an app with coupons, a credit card, then something else, uh, rebags, then the price changes. So I go to the counter, I buy a couple things, and the, uh, the cash register person, the, the cashier says, uh, that'll be $37. And I'm thinking, $37? All I have is like, like toothpaste and floss. How come it's so expensive? Well, because I don't have coupons. Truth can be expensive. It can be expensive to not become complicated. It can be expensive to not, to not go along with the flow of things. It can become expensive and costly if we just kind of go with the flow. Truth never changes. Truth is what it is. And it's interesting, even in our world today, we try to find the truth by all kinds of ways, except by asking the individual. That's why we have courts now, to find the truth. Rather than the person just telling the truth, did you or did you not? I did. Okay, then you're guilty. But no, we look for evidence to prove them not guilty. We even have referees during a football game to find out what is truth and what is not. Just ask the player. Did you step out of bounds? Yeah. We're done. But in a world of relativism, what it's saying is, wait a minute, you've got to shift now. You've got to change. You know what is probably the most truthful sport? Bowling. No referees. You don't need none. If you suck, you suck. If you don't know how to bowl, you don't know how to bowl. You can't say, oh, was the ball was warped. Oh, the ball is too heavy. You picked the bowling ball. There's nothing you can say. What can you do? I mean, yeah, if, if, if it's really bad and, and the, the bowling lane is really bad, then yeah, there's some truth to that. But there are no referees in bowling. I remember the first time I, I learned how to bowl, it was when I met my wife, Heidi. And they had a restaurant in the bowling alley, and I didn't know too much about bowling. So I would just watch for a little while, and I'm watching, and I'm thinking, that looks hard to do because they're, you know, they're spinning the ball, and then you got to do the feet thing. And then they wait there a little while. They're like. And I think this helps. This helps. That's like if they get the strike. And then there's people with gloves. And, and then there's, that, uh, there's the blow dryer thing. I guess you sweat during bowling. That should tell you something. So 
I'm watching this, and, and so Heidi says, you want to try? I said, yeah, I'll try. So I figure, get the heaviest ball. <laughs> thing rips off your arm, but I figure the heaviest ball will hit the pins and knock them all down. Problem with that is when, you, when it's heavy, you can't really throw it, so it hits the lane. Boom, boom, boom. And then it goes in the gutter. And then I was like, man, it went in the gutter. And so Heidi said, no, no, you get one more try. I said, what? See, this doesn't happen in any other sport. You, 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 you're done, you're done. But this, you get another try. So I tried again and gutter ball again. And then it's the moment you got to turn around and face everyone, right? You get a gutter ball, it's like, oh, man, like 80 people. And here's the interesting thing I love about bowling. No matter how bad you do, no matter how much your game is bad, when you turn around, everybody high-fives you. You don't see that in football. And I didn't know that. You got to bump fists with everyone, every single person, babies and all. You got to just, good game, good game, good job, good job. And it's like, that's the only sport that is true to its core. Either you got it or you don't. You can't say that pin fell because it's not. It's still standing. See, truth is what it is. It's what it, you can't change truth. I love, I love how God says it in his word, and it's in your notes. You can take out your notes from your bulletin. And by the way, after that announcement with myself and Pastor Lynn, mostly myself, please read through your bulletin. <laughs> Psalm 119, verse 160, it says, The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. It's, it's God's word that is true, truth. We used to have a simple standard for truth, the ultimate truth. It, it gives us a way to explain what goes on around us and provides us a basis for making decisions. If you don't know what's true, how do you make decisions? How do you do that? See, we're going to have to decide if we believe in absolute or what we call universal truth or in relativism. Now, here's a definition of truth. Truth is the conformity with fact or reality. A verified or indisputable fact, proposition, principle, or the like. Actuality or actual existence. Relativism is the doctrine that knowledge, truth, and morality exist in relation to culture, society, or historical context and is not absolute. So we deal with that in the world we live in now. Absolute truth in general is whatever is always valid regardless of parameters or context. The absolute in the term connotes one or more of a quality of truth that cannot be exceeded, complete truth, unvarying and permanent truth. It can be contrasted to relative truth or truth in a more ordinary sense in which a degree of relativity, uh, relativity is implied. In other words, with philosophy, science, or math, then when there's absolute truth, then you have an absolute answer, but there are some variables that may take place, but you'll still get the same answer. For instance, we all know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's absolute truth. But there are other ways to come up with 4, but it is still absolute truth. 2 times 2 equals 4. This changed, but this and this did not. See, mathematics are absolute truth. Absolute truth works no matter where you are in time or history or location. It works everywhere. That's why it's also called universal truth. And God's truth, the entirety of his, of his word is truth. And it endures forever. His word, his speech, what, he, what God is speaking, it's true. It's true doctrine. 
It's accurate. But knowing this, what do we do with it? So what we're going to do is explore three possible answers to the question, what do I do with truth? And the first one is this. Number one, I can deny God's truth. We can. That's one of the, one of the possibilities. We can deny God's truth. And the Bible provides us for a basis with making decisions. In fact, it, it not only allows us to make decisions, but in some cases, God commands us to do so. And we do that with our children. When we tell our children to do certain things, we command them to do so. Why? Because it's good for them. Like we say, do not touch that light bulb. Do not touch the stove. Do not put that wire in the outlet. We tell them these things for their safety. There's context to it. But you know what many people do? And, and we've done this before. I've done this. We pick and choose what truth we're going to take from the Bible and leave out the rest. But Psalms tells us it's the entirety of God's word that is truth. It's not just picking here and there what we want. God doesn't leave room for that when he says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That it's my word, it's entirety, not just little by little or bits and pieces of it. It's all of it. All of it put together. And it's through Christ that God says that's how you're going to know truth. And for some, it's hard to accept because for generations, humankind has wanted to earn salvation or find its way to God. But again, if we conclude that the Bible is true, then we have to make our decisions based on all of the Bible, not just bits and pieces of it, not just the parts we like. And for some, it's, it's difficult to swallow. It's hard to swallow truth. For some, it's hard to swallow the truth that there are consequences to sin. But it's the truth, and that doesn't change. Romans 2.8, it says, But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute. I thought Christ died in my place so that I'm not going to receive God's wrath and anger. I thought God took out his wrath on Jesus Christ when it came to sin. Yes, he did. So why am I going to receive God's wrath and his anger? Well, you're not unless, as the Bible says, you reject the truth and follow evil. See, God makes it, a way, he makes it possible for us to find our way to his grace. I can either accept God's grace or I can reject it. But sin brings consequences into our world, both physically and morally. It does that, and spiritually. That's why the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is salvation through Christ, Christ Jesus our Lord. Just think about it. In a world where tolerance is the highest ideal, standing for the truth in public gets you slammed. When you stand for the truths of God, you, you're called all kinds of names. You're called a bigot. You're called, you're called a, a hater. You're, uh, that, that you're, not the, you're not full of grace. What, 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 I thought God was about love, and why are you hating? And but it's really twisting the truth. But when you become a person who upholds the truth in love, and as the Bible says, then you're standing firm on the foundations that God gave to you for what holds true. And truth is tough, but that doesn't make it any less true. Truth is all around us. We're going to deal with it. You know, one of the scriptures in the Bible, in the book of Ephesians, 
It talks about the armor of God, and you know, one of the pieces of the armor of God is the belt of truth. I'm so thankful for belts. It holds things up. It holds up our pants. The belt of truth, it holds us together. That's what truth does. That's why it's part of the armor of God, because without God's truth, we fall apart. Sometimes we look at our family, our marriages, and our, our workplace, our life, and we're wondering, why, why is it like this? It could be because I'm straying away from the truth that I justify or I take shortcuts and I, I try to make God change into me rather than me change into him. And God says, no, it doesn't work that way. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you ways to follow my truth. I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you my word and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to guide you because you're going to have a hard time following truth in a world full of relativism. In a world that changes with culture and just changes with the times. Now, I'm not talking about style. I'm not talking about technology. I'm talking with truth. I'm talking about truth. It's okay to change styles. That's fine. Imagine if some of us still look like the way we did back in the 80s, 60s, 40s, or maybe 20s. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad time. It's just we change. That doesn't mean truth has to change. Truth stays the same. God wants to teach us the truth. Romans 1, 9, uh, excuse me, 19 through 22, it says they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. You know, it kind of starts off good. It's saying, oh, they know God. They know truth because God made it obvious. And then it ends with claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. That's how I read it. That's what it sounds like. That we just became utter fools. But God says, no, here's where it changes. Through everything I made, you can clearly see my invisible qualities, my, my eternal power and divine nature, so you have no excuse for not knowing me. Yeah, you know me, but then you wouldn't worship me. You know how powerful worship is to God? Many of us, we claim to want to just come to church to hear the word. That's dangerous without the worship. And the Bible clearly tells us it changes when we don't worship God. Even the devil knows the truths of God, but he does not worship God. So you can deny God's truth or you can say, Lord, I, I want to hear more about your truth. Because every view says that there are no absolutes or one view that tells us that there are no absolutes which to define reality. And then those who hold this view believe everything is relative to something else. And thus, there can be no actual reality. And part of that belief, too, is where people say, well, that, that works for you, but it, it doesn't work for me. And if it, this works for me and doesn't work for you, then you don't tell me what to do. I won't tell you what to do. The problem with that, and because of that, there are ultimately no moral absolutes. 
No authority for deciding if an action is positive or negative, right or wrong. And this view leads to situational ethics. Where if it works for you then, and what doesn't work for me, then, then that's how it should be. And it's the belief that what is right or wrong is relative to the situation. Therefore, you can decide whatever you want to. There is no right and wrong. Therefore, whatever feels or seems right at the time and in that situation is right. And we go that route. So you might be thinking, well, is there any evidence then for absolute truth? Yes, there is. It's called the human conscience. The human conscience is, is, is such an amazing thing that God created in us and that certain something within us that tells us that the world should be a certain way, that some things are right and some things are wrong, is something that God put in there. Because even though you don't know God, you still can kind of differentiate between right and wrong. You can, you can kind of make that conclusion to say that, well, just walking up to some kid and punching him in the face is wrong. That's not a good thing to do. See, when we understand truth, it helps us to make decisions. Our conscience convinces us that there is something wrong with suffering, that there is something wrong with starvation, pain, rape, and evil, and it makes us aware of love and generosity and compassion and giving. That's what our conscience does. God gave that to us. And this is universally true in all cultures throughout all time. It hasn't changed because it is an absolute truth. The Bible describes the role of the human conscience in this way in Romans 2, 14 through 16. It says even Gentiles, and, and when it says Gentiles, what it means is uh, God's chosen people were the Jews and everyone who wasn't was considered a Gentile, who do not have God's written law. Show that they know his law when they instinctively obey it. Where did that instinct come from? It came from our conscience. God put it there. Even without having heard it, they demonstrate that God's law is written in their hearts for their own conscience and thoughts either accuse them or tell them they are doing right. And this is the message I proclaim, that the day is coming when God, through Christ Jesus, will judge everyone's secret life. Now here's what can happen. Because of our conscience and God says, no, I put that in you so that you can decide between right and wrong. It's in there. We can start to go against our own conscience, can we? And imagine when we were little and then we would be caught in a lie. Did you take this? Did you not take this? You know you're going to get punished for it, so what do we do? We lie. But our faces show it. I didn't take it. I didn't take it, really. I didn't take the $5. I didn't say it was $5 but I didn't take it. And so our faces say it, our conscience is telling us that. But here's what we do very well. We learn how to lie. We learn how to keep a straight face. We learn how to not fidget. We learn how to look in what direction when, we, when we're, we're lying and when we're supposed to be telling the truth. We learn that, and the Bible calls that searing your conscience. It's like the gears of your conscience. After a while, you go against it, and then it gets stripped. And after a while, it just runs free. And then you're just, you can lie easy, just like that. And you feel good about it. It's like, oh, I got away with that. Oh, I got away with that. Then when the truth comes in, you didn't even know what the truth is. That's why they say once you start a lie, it's very hard to find the truth because you have to continue to lie. And what we do is we sear our conscience. You know, if you're reading our, the devotions 
together with us in our book tab. We're in the book of John right now, or you should be there soon. One thing Jesus says over and over is, he says, I tell you the truth. Or, or truly, truly, I say unto you. Because everything Jesus speaks must be true. It has to be. Not what he said was true, but what he says has to be true. Because he is truth. He only can speak truth. Sometimes the truth hurts, doesn't feel good. The people were asking Jesus about truth, and they were saying, well, where are you from? What gives you this authority? And Jesus says, well, my father has given me this authority. They said, no, who's your father? And, they, and Jesus said, if, if you knew my father, you would know me. But you can't know him because your father is the devil. He's the father of lies. And he says, you believed in that so long that by the time I bring truth, in other words, what Christ is saying is your, your conscience is seared already. And even if I were to bring you truth, you, you can't receive it because you've been following this all along. And this is what you believe to be true. Now Jesus comes in and he's saying, you can't even accept it. The only way we can accept truth is if we change our hearts and only God can do that. That's why, that's why we choose truth. It doesn't just happen. It's not a result of, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. It's a result of, I got to choose that. I got to choose Jesus Christ. I got to choose God. It's not just going to happen. We fight against that every single day. Am I going to do what's right? Am I going to do what's wrong? Am I going to follow God? Am I not going to follow God? Am I going to do what he says? Am I going to justify? We do that every single day. We got to choose what's true. See, I can deny God's truth or the second thing, is I can try to change God's truth to fit me. I can do that. I can try to change God's truth to fit me. It's like any sport. You can try to change the rules to fit you. Imagine if that were true. Imagine if that were so. I don't know who are football fans today, but imagine if your team playing today, each individual could call their own rule. Imagine the winning touchdown catch that is dropped. The receiver stands up and says, hey, wait, 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 wait a minute. Can pick him up after two bounces. That's the rule now. Imagine if they started to change the rules to fit them. Sports would be horrible. Imagine if we tried to change God's truth to fit us. Life would be horrible. See, God's truth it protects us. It keeps us in the game of life. He gives us life. He doesn't take away life. And it doesn't matter what I believe about the rules of a game. We have to conform to it, not the other way around. And that's where relativism comes in. It says, oh, just conform. Just change. Relate to everything. Relate to everybody. But God says, well... Here's my truth. You can try to change my truth, but it, it doesn't work that way. Romans 1, 23 through 25, it says, Instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie 
So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Now you might be thinking, wait, I thought God said he never abandons us. Well, the Bible says, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired, not leave people. He's saying, wait a minute, if you want to continue to live like that, I'm trying to bring you truth. And if you're rejecting me, I'm going to give you over to that. Why? Because truth never changes. If God is saying sin has consequences, and I'm saying, I just want to sin, God, but you just want to take away my fun, and God says, well, you're going to have to learn my way or the hard way. Oh, so you're that kind of God. No, no, you're that kind of person. And so we go on on our own, and we say, well, I'm going to do it my own way then. And then we hit wall after wall after wall, and then we blame God. We say, God, where are you? I thought you loved me. Why did this happen to me? And if you rewind the tape, if you look at it, instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, we worship idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. If you feel distant from God and you ever feel distant from God, if you ever feel like, why, why is God so far from me? I can tell you this. It was not God who moved. It was us. Where can God go? Where does he go? Can you see why the Bible's, the truth of the Bible that God never leaves you nor forsake you is true? God is everywhere. We leave his presence. Well, how do we do that? If God is everywhere, how do we leave his presence? It's called choice. You know how powerful choice is? Isn't this true? That you can be on the same dinner table with everyone's Everyone is present, but not everyone is present. They're on their phones, on their gadgets, and things like that. They're physically there, but they're not emotionally and mentally there. They're not engaged in the conversation or what's going on. You can be physically there, but you're not there. God is always there. It's us who usually leaves him. See, there needs to be an absolute truth. Otherwise, there's going to be chaos in our world. Worse than we're already in. Imagine if two plus two, we said, you know what? Let's change this. We, we need more money. We need more money. So um, let's just say two plus two equals eight. And two times two equals 16. Let's do that. And everybody agreed and said, okay, let's do that. You know how messed up we'd be? You try and build a house with that mathematical scale. You'd be messed up. Why? Because this is absolute truth. You know how long it would take for us to start to change these things? That's difficult to do. But it doesn't change truth, regardless if we tried to do this. It still won't change truth. Laws of science and physics would be irrelevant. Commerce would be impossible. We would be in a big mess if there were no absolute truth. But thanks be to God that 2 plus 2 equals 4. 2 times 2 equals 4. See, I can deny God's truth. I can try to change God's truth. Or, number 3, I can accept God's truth. That's a... That's, imagine that. Imagine, imagine that possibility. That in the world we live in, we can actually choose God's truth. Now, for some right now, that's a struggle because it's saying, well, I, don't, I, don't, I, I believe in God, but I don't believe in religion. I believe in God, but I don't believe in organized religion. I believe in God, but I, I don't believe in Christians. I believe in God, I don't believe in Jesus. And I'm thinking, okay, what God? 
are you believing in? Well, the God that loves. Okay, now, when you say that, you're being very broad. But if you say the God who sent us Jesus Christ, the great I am, the God of the Holy Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, why do you think they named God that way so that they could know what God they're talking about? See, the, the Bible gives us a basis for making decisions. And when we accept God's truth, it helps us in making those decisions. And the Bible gives us explanations for the way things work. Not just in the, in the physical world or the moral realm, but also in the spiritual world in how we're made up. That there are many things we take on faith. God gives us personality. He gives us he gives us laughter. He gives us joy. And the truth is it came from God. Once we start changing that, now we're passing that on to the next generation. Then like in the video, what is red, a red balloon, the next generation, because we're teaching them something else, they'll say, it's blue. But the truth is it's red. Second Timothy 1.14, it says, Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, carefully, carefully guard the precious truth that has been entrusted to you. Did you know that you and I, as believers in Christ, are entrusted with truth? I don't know about you, but during the season of Christmas, not too many people know the truth about Christmas, which is what we'll be talking about next week. Many people think it's just a holiday or they try to change things to make it suit their need. The truth is, it's Christ's birthday. Yeah, he wasn't born on December 25th. We're not celebrating the birthday. We're celebrating the person who was born. I don't think we all celebrate our birthdays on the same, I mean, on our birthday. Sometimes, a, a, you know, work day, so we do it on the weekend. Our baby's first luau, sometimes it falls on a Tuesday, so we celebrate it on a Saturday or Sunday or Friday. We don't celebrate the day, we celebrate the person. I can accept God's truth. That's another, another fact, another, another choice. And the Bible tells us that there are consequences to our actions. And sometimes that's usually where people don't want to receive God's truth or accept God's truth because there are consequences to action. And we don't want to be held accountable to our actions. So we say, well, I don't, I don't want to follow God. Why not? Well, because it's too hard. Well, why is it hard? Because if I do something wrong, then I feel guilty. Hey, you do something wrong, you're going to feel guilty with God or not. You do something wrong with the law, you're going to be punished for it with God or not. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be with God regardless of where my life is. If I break the law or not, I'd rather be with God. And here's what happens. When I am with God, I have less chance of breaking the law or doing things that are wrong because I'm following God. Well, God just wants to take away my fun. We used to think that about our parents. Remember that? We said, make sure you're home at 10 o'clock. You know why they're saying that? Because they don't want you to die. They want you home at a good time because that's where everybody goes crazy is after 10 o'clock. Isn't that true? You get invited to a party at 7, you're like, I ain't going at 7. What are we doing at 7? You go at like 11 o'clock at night. It's like, that's where the party is at. You go early, no more nobody. 
So our parents helped us with that. Why? Because they, they know something is up. They, they know what's happening. And God's no different. He's not saying, I'm trying to rip truth. I'm trying to rip fun away, away from you. He's saying, I know what's best for you. Whatever God says, it matches up with his word. I like what Paul, the apostle, he was one who was transformed because he, he met Christ face to face after Christ died on the cross and was resurrected. And then he's raising up this young man called Timothy, and he tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2, he says, you know, Timothy, you have heard me teach these things and teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Then he says this, now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. That's how, that's how valuable the truths of God are. Paul the Apostle is saying to Timothy, and what God is saying to us today is, is pass these truths on to other people so that they can pass them on to others. Pass them on to trustworthy people so that they can do the same. Truth protects us. Truth brings us freedom. I can accept God's truth. God has truth for all of us. Psalm, Psalm 40, verse 11 and 12, it says, Now, God, don't hold out on me. Don't hold back your passion. Your love and truth are all that keeps me together. When troubles gang up on me, a mob of sins past counting, I was so swamped by guilt, I couldn't see my way clear. More guilt in my heart than hair on my head. So heavy the guilt that my heart gave out. And if you ever carry guilt, I have. You know how heavy of a burden that is to carry? But not until I came to know Jesus Christ did I understand that it, that it was washed clean already, that he took care of my guilt. Does that mean I go on doing the same things over and over so that, well, Christ can wash me clean again? No. He says, no. He says, he says yes, you did this. Now, now, I don't condemn you. I love you. But go and sin no more. He said that to two people just recently as we read the, our scriptures in our devotions. He said that to the adulterous woman. He said, now go and sin no more. And then he said this to another guy who was healed. He said, now, now stop sinning or something worse may happen. Now, that person could have said, oh, wow, Jesus, you're kind of just pushing truth down my throat. And Jesus is saying, it's the truth. If you keep doing what you're doing, something worse is going to happen. Oh, why you got to curse me? Oh, why, why, why you got to put a taboo on me, Christ? Why, how come you got to make me feel funny crying? Well, I'm scared now. What's going to happen? I'm just letting you know. You keep doing what you're doing, it's going to be worse. And we have a hard time taking that in because we feel like, wow, God's against me now. You know what is interesting about, about truth? One of the major proofs and the existence of absolute truth is what we call religion. That everyone is looking for a God. Everyone, every culture, every society is looking for something that, that is higher than him, that they can, that, higher than them that they could look to for strength or power or, or whatever it is to help them. Every, everyone, every single person. Why is it like that? Because God put it there. He put eternity in the hearts of man so that we would seek him but again, we take that and we seek other things. Did you know that even atheists have a God? They don't believe in God. That's their God. 
They may say, no, I don't believe in God. That's your God. A no God. That's your God. No, that's not my God. So what do you believe in? I don't believe in anything. Then that's your God. Your God is you don't believe in anything. You can state it however you want, but everyone believes that there is a God. We just want, to, want him to conform to us. But I don't want to hold that guilt that God can freely take away. He made us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he's the only one that can bring us lasting happiness and joy to take us away from the, the punishment that sin brings. Psalm 119, verse 45, it says, I will live in perfect freedom because I try to obey your teachings. I try to obey your teachings. You know, what I like about that scripture, it's letting us know that we're not going to be perfect. We're not going to get it right all the time. Lord, I try to obey your teachings. That's the only way I will live in perfect freedom. The funny thing is we often think we know better than God. And that's in, that's in our human weakness. But then even in our human weakness, we fail. But God is always there waiting for us to return to truth. Jesus said to the people in John 8, 31 and 32, it says, he said to the people who believe, he said, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's what sets us free. It's knowing the truth. There is a creator. There's a standard for truth, absolute truth. And it is God's authority that establishes that truth. There is a creator. He reveals his truth to us through his word, the Bible. And knowing absolute truth or universal truth is only possible through a personal relationship with the one who is truth. And that's in Jesus Christ. I like how he states it. He answers the people in John 14, 6. Jesus answers them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad God gives us the truth and the fact that absolute truth does exist points us to, to the truth that there is a sovereign God who created the heavens and the, and the earth. There is a sovereign God who gave us his one and only Son, revealed himself to us personally through Christ the Savior. That's the truth behind Christmas. And that is the absolute truth. Amen. You close your Bibles, put away your notes. The other week we were traveling and I want to close with this. As we're traveling, we're at the airport and we, we received news that uh, our flight is going to be delayed and we don't know how long. I think it was about 20 minutes in the beginning. So we said, okay, well, 20 minutes, no problem. So we called the person who's going to pick us up, and we just let them know we're going to be 20 minutes late. And they said, oh, okay, we'll be fine. And then uh, after a while, they came back, and they said, you know what? It's going to be a little longer than that. Uh, it's going to be a couple hours. And so now, this is Christmas season. And you can already feel the restlessness of people. You can already... Imagine people have to be placed, you know, they got to go somewhere, they got to be home or with their families. Maybe they have a, an appointment or a dinner date, whatever it would be. So I was just observing all of this and, and I found there are different categories of people. Patient people, they're just, okay, patient. 
and they just kind of went with the flow. They were patient enough. And then you had people who were impatient. I'm like, hey, what's wrong? How come you guys can't take us? And, and they're trying to figure out what the problem is. And then you had impatient, uh, people that were just grumbling and not even accepting the truth. And here's what we found out. I believe there were three airplanes that were struck by lightning that night because there was a storm. Now, I don't know about you, but when I heard the truth, I thought, hang on. You find out everything you can about those planes that got struck by lightning. I don't want to fly in those planes. You take your time to give us the truth and figure out what you got to because our lives depended on it. And I'm so thankful for the airlines that they just, they took their time. They dealt with grumbling customers. They had to scramble to find how they're going to get all these people home during the busiest time of year. And planes are grounded on, on this island, Oahu and Maui. Now you're trying to figure everybody out. Now they got to use just a couple of planes to route everyone, reroute. Now you're talking safety. Now what if, what if those who are in charge, that they said, you know what? These people are right. Get them home. Just put them in the plane. Get them home. Yeah, but it's not safe. Yeah, but look, they're grumbling. Just put them on. We don't want to take away their fun. And this guy, he has to be home with his wife. Just take him home. I mean, would that show care? Would that show love? Or is love saying, no matter how you feel right now, you don't understand the whole truth behind it all. That we're going to do everything possible to bring you home safely. Even though you gripe at us, even though you say vile things, even though you ridicule, even though you say hurtful things, we're just going to take it because we care about you that much. And so they figured everything out and, and got everything good and we got on our flight, we got home, and, and, and when I got home, first of all, I was thankful that there was a company that cared enough for people in our islands that said no to just get them home and said yes to how we're going to get them home. And as we're driving home, I'm thinking, Lord, that's what you did. That as the God of the universe, you saw that, that mankind was going astray and some were grumbling, some were saying this, some were saying vile things against your son your, and the Savior, and they're saying these things. And, but you didn't change. You didn't say, well, to suit your need, I'm, do what you want. I don't want to take away your fun. God said, my number one concern is getting you home safely. That's my concern. I'm going to send you my one and only son. There's no flaws in this flight back to heaven. And it's a free, free gift. God loves us that much. That's why the truth sets us free. Because the truth is given to us out of love. Would you pray with me? Would you bow your heads? Lord, your word is truth. And the sum thereof 
It's the entirety of your word. I know there may be some of us, Lord, we struggle with truth daily. We don't, we don't know what direction to turn. Sometimes we choose what we feel is right and then to end up in a place where we don't want to be, only finding out that it wasn't what you would want for us. Sometimes we battle with truth because of our feelings and what we want. And if you're here this morning and you may be a Christian and you're saying, Lord, I, I, I want to... I want to be rooted in your word. I want to be rooted in your truth. Not so that I can point fault at people, so that I can live according to your ways, so that I can have life and life more abundantly. If that's you, could you just lift a hand and you're just letting God know, Lord, that's me. I want to live by your truth. Good. Yeah, Lord, that's us. You can put your hands down. How many of you this morning, you're saying, I don't know Jesus Christ did. I've never accepted him as my Lord and Savior. I, I was kind of apprehensive. I didn't know if I could. I don't know how to. Well, I want to help you with that. And it's really a prayer that the Bible says to pray. And it's receiving Christ into your heart. I'm going to say the prayer. You just add the words, add the heart. And we can say this prayer together. Here's the prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness, for cleansing me and washing me clean. I believe you died on the, Christ, on the cross, and I believe you rose again to give me eternal life. And so I thank you. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and eyes closed, if you said that prayer, could you just lift a hand and you're saying, I said yes to Jesus this morning. Good, good, good. Many of you, God bless you. God sees you. Good, good. God sees your hand right here. Yeah, back there. God sees you. He sees your hand. He knows your heart. He knows what's happening in your heart. He sees your future. Good, God bless you. Anybody else? You're saying yes to Christ. Good, good. God sees you. You can put your hands down. Lord, I pray your blessing of every single one of us, and especially for those that said yes to you for the first time. It's a new life. There's going to be some, some challenges like any life that we live, but those are good challenges because you're bringing us back to truth. You're steering us back to being in this relationship with you, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. We cannot come to the Father except through you. And that's what these have chosen to do. Thank you for teaching us to choose truth. It's in your precious name that we pray. And we all said, amen, amen. Can we welcome